Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Here I am Lord, we just shift our hearts and our eyes to you, God. Lord, have your way, Father God. Lord, less of us and more of you, Jesus. God, I pray that you would open heaven over this meeting, God. I pray that your angels would just roam freely amongst us. God, speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, shift our perspective, God. Give us insight, Father God, that we haven't seen before. Lord, let us see your perspective today. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Yeah, you can praise him. Thank you, musicians, for being so flexible. Why don't you have a seat, church? It's such an honor to come and share with you this morning. Who was here last night? It was a great night. It was awesome. If you missed out on your little gift, make sure you get one. The chocolates are really yummy. The band's great as well, but the chocolates are really amazing. It is such an honor to be with you here today. This is such a great church. And what a beautiful part of Australia. Hello. You guys live in like a a holiday destination. It's amazing. So uh, Melissa did tell you a little bit about me. She makes me sound very good, by the way. (laughs) I'm really not that great, but you know what? She makes me sound good. But uh, I did bring a photo of my family because you know what? They are the the greatest job. Can I say it that? Yeah? I have kids, so yes, I can. But they are the the thing I'm most proud of. Uh, So that is, oh, there they are. That is my daughter, Hosanna Emma Grace. She's seven. She just turned seven. Uh, that's our son, Jeremiah Maxwell Joshua. <laughs> he is almost six because those two are 14 months apart. And if you're wondering why they have so many names, that is my husband, Terence Washington Earl Mullings. So that's what we were dealing with in the names department. And um, I'm just Emma Louise. Hello. Uh, and <laughs> this one has three names as well. It is a little girl. I'm just going to call it little, even though it's huge. I'm only 16 weeks pregnant. Can you believe it? It's like a giant. Uh, and this one is due on the 30th of January. And uh, yeah, they're beautiful, aren't they? They're amazing. So um, we are part of C3 City in Sydney. And it's such an honor to be here. Next year, I'm going to tell you a little bit about this. But um, next year, we head over to plant C3 Miami, Miami, USA, not Miami Gold Coast. <laughs> So uh, that's next on our agenda, I guess, and for the rest of our lives. So (laughs) um, today I wanted to share with you a little bit about on the theme of identity and the theme of being in him. And I like to refer to it as knowing who you are and knowing whose you are, who you are and whose you are. And this is a foundation for life. Acts 17, 28, it says, for in him we live and move and have our being. For in him we live and move and have our being. And in him, it's all about knowing who you are and whose you are. And this is the foundation really for doing life well, but also for feeling the call and the destiny that God's put on your life. You need to know who you are and you need to know whose you are. And you know, the world will try and tell you who you are and whose you are. <laughs> Isn't that right? We do live in a world of labels and it's human nature actually to live up to a label once it's been put on you. So Centrelink will try and tell you who you are. <laughs> Media will try and tell you who you are. Hello, social media will try and tell you who you are. Instagram, Instagram, tell me who I really am. 
Facebook, Facebook, how should I really look? Hello. <laughs> but the only one who can tell you who you are is your creator, the one who knit you together in your mother's womb, who had a plan and a destiny mapped out for you from the beginning of time, knowing who you are and whose you are. And this is a, a lesson that I think God really had to kind of teach me very quickly when I came to know him because I had no idea of who I was or whose I was, no idea of my identity in Christ or my self-worth. And I shared a, a bit of my story last night, so I'm not going to go into all of that again this morning, but just to paint a little picture for you so you understand why <laughs> these lessons came thick and fast. And, uh, you know, I was actually brought up, I was born in Ipswich. Who knows where Ipswich is? Yeah, I'm a Queenslander, guys. I go for Queensland in the state of origin. Yeah, yeah, come on. <laughs> and, um, you know, my parents were pastors of a local church. It's still there, Vision Christian Family. If you ever go to Ipswich, you should visit. Uh, and <laughs> my, um, my mum and dad pioneered that church. And my mum was uh, quite a, a pioneer for women. Uh, in ministry, she was a passionate preacher of the word. She was a recording artist. She released six worship albums in the 70s and 80s. Her name was Susie Wilson. And she would travel around uh, speaking at different women's conferences. She was quite well known. And, uh, you know, they'd already kind of had their, their battles. My oldest sister was born severely uh, brain damaged, and she actually died at 18 months old. And then my older brother was born, and then me, and then my youngest sister, who is uh, still alive today. She's 32 years old, but she is severely brain damaged, uh, a different kind of brain damage to my older sister, Andrea, who passed away. She uh, can't walk or talk or uh, eat. Her food is pureed and fed to her, and, and she's in nappies. And my dad and my stepmom are her full-time carers. And I say my stepmom because my mom actually, at 37, uh, we found out she had lower intestinal cancer. And from the day that we found out what it was to the day that she died, it was 12 weeks. So I was four and, um, you know, our family didn't have much time to prepare emotionally for that. So the journey kind of continued. And as a young girl, I was continuously abused by the son of a woman who used to babysit me. And I never communicated any of this. I was a very shy kid. So no one ever asked me, but honestly, if, if they ever asked me, I probably wouldn't have said anything because I was just very broken, very shy, very timid, and I, honestly, all I wanted was my mom. So that was kind of the foundation for life, right? So I'm just going to skip through the rest of it because we don't have all day here. <laughs> so by the time I w ended up in Sydney at 22 years old, I'd left church at 14, uh, but left in my heart m many years before that. So at 22 years old, when someone uh, continuously invited me to church for months, anyway, that's a whole other story. When I met Jesus for the first time, really, uh, you know, I, I had no sense of self-worth, no sense of self-value or who I was or whose I was. So, so God really had to kind of teach me this lesson fast. And the first lesson was... You know, I was getting ready to move uh, overseas. I, I was pursuing music, had a great opportunity over there. And uh, I uh, got saved at C3 Oxford Falls in 2004. And I was probably only two months away from heading over there. And God spoke to me loud and clear the week, the week that I walked down the front and gave my life to Christ. He spoke to me loud and clear. And, and, and I heard his voice and I knew it was his voice. It was 
the familiar voice that I knew from when I was a little girl. And he said, I don't want you to take that opportunity overseas. I want you to go to Bible college, <laughs> which I thought was insane because I was just trying not to like have every second word four letters. Like that's where it was at for me. Like, <laughs> and I thought Bible college was just for those people who wanted to like be pastors and like preach and and there was no way that was ever happening in my life. Like, so <laughs> I thought that was crazy. And you know what? I'd, I'd pursued this, um, this music opportunity for so long. And, and to be perfectly honest, at that time, my identity was in that. And my value was in that. And, and I didn't have anything else. So that was a really uh, hard decision. But I knew I'd heard his voice. And I knew there was something more for me. And I made that decision to give up that opportunity and go to Bible college. I got saved April 2004 and I started Bible college in the June-July intake a few months later, which was crazy. <laughs> but uh, he'd spoken loud and clear. And that was really hard because some of the people that I had, you know, worked on that, that music opportunity with, that contract, you know, they, they weren't Christians. They didn't know God. They'd never experienced any of this. And they just thought I was in some crazy cult. And like, why would you give up that opportunity? Because sometimes obedience costs us something, right? And you've got to be okay with being a little bit misunderstood. So that was kind of lesson one in being okay with knowing who I was and whose I was and being okay with following his voice above every other voice. And lesson two came thick and fast. So the guy that had invited me to church, um, his name is Terence. Yes, I did marry him. Four years later, <laughs> so, so he's been a Christian his whole life. He was brought up in the church. He's never walked away. And by the way, I think that is the strongest testimony. Hello. That takes strength. So um, he had, you know, he, we kind of liked each other, just to be perfectly honest. That was, you know, the draw card to come to church. Um, <laughs> still took him three months of convincing me. But, you know, we kind of liked each other. And, you know, I, you know, met Jesus and I was all in and, and he started asking me some questions about my life and my past. And, you know, I had absolutely no filter. I probably still don't. But I just told him everything. And, and to be perfectly honest, it was all a bit much for him. He thought he had fallen in love with Mary and he realized he'd chosen Rahab. So he was like, oh, my goodness, I can't deal with this. And, <laughs> and you know, he just said, oh, I mean, this guy, I don't know if any of you have met this guy but I tell you what, he's been praying for his future wife since he was six years old. Like, who does that, really? He does that. So when you meet him, you'll understand. And he's just like, yeah, he's just, just not what I imagined. <laughs> uh, and so that was over. But And I was heartbroken at the time. But you know what? It was the best thing ever. And it was all in God's plan because I had to know who I was and whose I was. So, you know, when these things happen, you're forced to push into God. And so I was like, all right, God, talk to me about the power of the cross. Talk to me about being a new creation, being made new in Christ. Talk to me about my sins being as far as the east is from the west, that you remember them no more. And I had to get strong in knowing my identity in Christ, who I was and whose I was. And you know what, the best way to see if, if something's kind of stuck, right? If you glue something together, the best way to see if it's really fixed is giving it a bit of a push. <laughs> So that was kind of the process with me and God for a little while. But it was great. It was perfect. And you know what? Four years later, he had been patiently waiting on the sidelines. He didn't date anyone that whole time. Can you believe it? I mean, have you seen him? He's very attractive. So <laughs> he 
came back and said, um, you know, I made a mistake. I made the biggest mistake of my life. (laughs) You're exactly what I've been praying for my whole life. But by then, I knew who I was and whose I was, right? Ladies, you'll understand this. So I'm like, well, I don't know if I like you. You're... (laughs) Because I knew who I was, and I knew whose I was, and I knew my value, and I was like, you're more than welcome to spend all of your savings on ridiculous extravagant dates to try and impress me, and I'll just decide. So, he <laughs> he did. <laughs> and, well, obviously, we got married in 2008. Oh, my goodness, yes. We married almost nine years, so, yes. It was the right decision. I'm just giving you a couple of examples of, you know, when I first got saved, but this has been an ongoing theme, I guess, and an ongoing lesson, and it needs to be for you to to be able to put his voice above every other voice and just be okay (laughs) with being a little bit misunderstood sometimes, because sometimes he tells you to do some crazy things, right? So next year, we're going to plant C3 Miami, and if anyone has looked at social media or the news, you would have seen that America is a country in turmoil it's a broken country and people are being shot on the street because of the amount of pigment in their skin and I'm obviously very white (laughs) and he obviously is very black so why would you actually choose to to take your children hello your son and your daughter and two daughters to a country that is in war I mean you got to know who you are and whose you are you got to know that you're called and you've got to be okay with putting his voice above every other voice. And God has really spoken to us about that. And, and you know, I've taken, <laughs> God is so good, you know, he's spoken to us so clearly. And, and he actually said to me, you know, I, I, I want you to build a church that represents the color red, the, the blood of Jesus that unites us all. And you'll have white, black, Cuban, Asian, Jamaican. <laughs> I mean, how have you been to Miami? Hello. Very multicultural. And unity and diversity, celebrating my creations, unity and diversity, something that hasn't been seen in that part of America before. But we're going to do it. <laughs> but you've got to know who you are and whose you are. You've got to know whose you are and whose you are, who you are and whose you are. And uh, obedience often costs us something. And someone in the Bible who knew all about this <laughs> was Mary. And I actually want to read you a passage, I think it's going to come up on the screen. It's a longer passage, but I just want us to read through it. Luke 1, 26 to 45. This is the message version. Version. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descendant from David whose name was Joseph and the virgin's name Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Good morning, you're beautiful with God's beauty, beautiful inside and out. God be with you. Who would like a greeting like that, right? Catch the vision. All right, she was thoroughly shaken, wondering what was behind a greeting like that. But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. (laughs) You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will rule Jacob's house forever, no end ever to his kingdom. Mary said to the angel, but how? I've never slept with a man. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called Holy Son of God. And did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son, old as she is, 
Everyone calls her barren, and here she is, six months pregnant. Nothing you see is impossible with God. And Mary said, yes, I see it all now. I am the Lord's maid ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. Then the angel left her. Yeah, wow. (laughs) I actually, there's so many things I love about this story. (laughs) But have you noticed like when God has something big to do, he finds an unwed teenage girl out the back of nowhere? (laughs) Because he only ever uses very ordinary people to do very extraordinary things. Very ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And he turns up to this teenage girl who's getting ready to get married. She was engaged to Joseph, which is an exciting time, right? And he interrupts her plans with his purpose. Because his purpose is always so much greater than our plans. So much greater. And he says, you are, you are favored. And I have to be honest. If, I mean, look, if God came to you and said, you are favored, what would you be expecting? I actually once had a, a, a prophetic word that said you are favored and you know what I honestly thought I'm sure you would never think this because you're much more holy than me but I actually thought I am gonna get a pay rise this week yes I am that's what I thought that's what I thought but the favor of God is for purpose not for status the favor of God is for purpose not for status and Mary's story beautifully shows this Because the favor of God coming into Mary's life was about to mess it up just a little, right? Just a little bit. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine? I mean, we, we know the whole story. So we know that the angel did appear to Joseph because Joseph was getting ready to cancel the wedding in private. He didn't want to embarrass her. But his fiance is pregnant and it's he hasn't done anything. Like, (laughs) and the angel comes to him and says, No, this is all legit. (laughs) This is true right? But the thing that kind of always has struck me about this story is that the angel only came to Joseph. It wasn't broadcast on a big screen in Mary's village. It didn't come to her parents or her aunt that gossips to everyone or her cousins or, you know, (laughs) like, let's be real. (laughs) It only came to Joseph. So she had to be okay with being a little misunderstood, right? She had to be okay with that. And being obedient to God. And, you know, she is a woman. So I tell you what, when the angel was telling her this, she would have been thinking, are you going to explain this to Joseph? Are you going to explain this to my dad? (laughs) Like, I mean, she lived in a time where this situation would get a woman stoned to death. And that actually still happens in many parts of the world. They bury them up to their neck and they throw stones until they die. So she would have been thinking all of this. All of this, and yet to be able to respond the way she did, which she said, yes, I see it all now. I am the Lord's maid, ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. To be able to be thinking all of this in her head, but still be able to respond like that. She had to know who she was, and she had to know whose she was. Who she was, and whose she was. And you know what? For her whole life, for her whole life, she would have had to put up with people thinking the worst. She would have had to put up with that. Would her mother have ever really believed her? It's a pretty wild story. (laughs) I mean, even Joseph, his whole life, he would have had people coming to him, his friends at the time, saying, really, Joe? Really? She's pregnant. Like, hello? Do you really believe this ridiculous story that she's told you? 
He had to know who he was and whose he was. He had to know his value and his identity in Christ to be okay with being a little bit misunderstood, to put God's purposes above his own plans and be okay with that, knowing who you are and whose you are. And I just want to give you a couple of um, keys this morning, and I encourage you to write them down. Just three things that I think will help all of us on our journey of knowing who we are and whose we are. And the first one is make what Jesus did on the cross bigger than anything that has ever happened to you. The power of the cross. Make what Jesus did on the cross bigger than anything that you have ever done. Bigger than anything that's ever happened to you, bigger than any mistake you've ever made. Because God only ever uses ordinary people. Ordinary people. And I was saying last night to the girls, if God can use a stutterer, Moses, right? If God can use Rahab, known as the city prostitute in the lineage of Jesus to save a nation, if he can use David uh, and call him a man after his own heart, a guy who clearly had some lust problems somewhere along the way, like if God can use me, God can use anyone. It doesn't matter what has happened to you. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you I mean, we make mistakes. I tell you what, if you come to him with a repentant heart, an open heart, and say, God, I am so sorry, God, I am all yours. <laughs> he will use you. And that is the power of the cross. The power of the cross. You know, his, his word says, he remembers your sin no more. So if you have come to him with a repentant heart, it's, it's finished. You, he doesn't remember it anymore. You don't need to come back a year later and remind him why you're disqualified because you're telling him for the first time he doesn't remember it that's the power of the cross the power of the cross what Jesus did on the cross gives us freedom from sin freedom from sickness freedom from oppression it is for freedom that Christ set us free it encompasses deliverance from all that would try and come against us the power of the cross make what Jesus did on the cross bigger than anything that has ever happened to you and the second key to help us grow in knowing who we are and whose we are, trust God. <laughs> Such a simple thing, two words, but I tell you what, it'll be tested for the rest of our days and we need reminders, right? Trust God. Trust Him. Trust Him when you go into those business dealings and everyone else you know is doing something a little bit dodgy. <laughs> trust Him. Trust him to be your vindicator. Trust him to be your rear guard. Trust him that you can hold your integrity and do the right thing. And he sees it all and he knows all the details and he will be your vindicator. Trust him. Choose to trust him. Give him full access. And I tell you what, in, in this day and hour in which we live, if we don't carry God into all the earth, I don't know who will, right? Trust him. Just choose to trust him. If there's one area of your life that you're not giving him access to, and that's okay, it's human nature. It might be your finances, it might be your relationships. Just, just try it out. Just trust him. Choose to trust him. Give him access, which brings me to the third key in growing and knowing who we are and whose we are. And that is give him complete access. Give him complete access. Because as we take steps towards him, he runs towards us. And you know what? I know it's hard, right? I work full time. I have a full schedule. <laughs> I technically have three jobs. <laughs> 
And you know what? My morning Instagram is not a cup of tea next to the 45-minute devotional that I've just done. And in the background, the bushwalk I'm about to go on. Hello. That is not my life. (laughs) And if it's yours, that's awesome. I'm very happy for you. (laughs) But I know it's hard. I know life is full and there's lots going on. But give him full access. Give him full access. You know, you can incorporate this into your family life. You can have family worship time. Teach the kids how to worship. Create cultures in your home where you have prayer time before the kids go to bed. And then I tell you what, if you've had a bad day and you don't even want to talk to God, they are not going to bed until you pray. <laughs> and you want them to go to bed, right? Yes. Create these cultures in your home. Turn the, turn the TV off and put worship music on. You know, turn the radio off and listen to a podcast. The first seven minutes of your day sets you up for the day. It's seven minutes, guys. What do you do in the first seven minutes? Do you read the news? Do you jump on social media? The first seven minutes is the most important seven minutes of your day. You know, I'm technically Gen Y just. I just crept in there. <laughs> and the millennials are taking over. That's what, that's what the next generation is called, by the way. <laughs> Figured this out. Uh, <laughs> and you'll often hear over many platforms, many media platforms, you know, this generation with everything, instant gratification, instant this, instant that, social media, so many distractions. This is the worst generation. I hear that all the time working in media. But I believe, honestly, this generation with so many distractions, so much at their fingertips, social media, <laughs> everything that that involves, this generation to still choose God in amongst all of these options, I'm vouching for this to be the strongest generation. Who's with me? Amen? Amen. But we need to teach them who they are and who's there, to know who they are in Christ. And they're just three little things, three keys that I think will really help all of us, three reminders it might be for you, to grow in knowing who you are and whose you are. You know, Mary knew who she was. That's why she could respond the way she did. So when God comes to ask you to do something wild, (laughs) you need to know who you are and whose you are to be able to respond that way. Eve didn't know who she was or whose she was. And we're still paying the price today. Jesus knew who he was and whose he was. He said, I only do what I see my father doing. But we need to be close enough to the Father that we actually know what he's doing, right? We need to know who we are and whose we are. And you are a son or a daughter of the most most high God, knit together perfectly in your mother's womb. And uh, just actually very recently, probably only a year ago, I was really asking God this question because I was away. I mean, I left church, as I mentioned. I left church at 14, but left uh, in my heart uh, many years before that. And didn't really meet my creator (laughs) till I was 22 years old. And so much happened in that time. And honestly, so many horrible things happened in that time. And I was really asking God, like, where were you? (laughs) Where were you that whole time? And uh, he brought to memory something that happened uh, when I was, I just had my first daughter, Hosanna. And I just wanted to share that with you today. And Hosanna, uh, we don't have any family in Sydney. So, and anyone who's had a baby for the first time, I don't know about you, but I had no idea what I was doing. Is that just me? No? Okay. Good. Great. If you don't know what we're doing, it's awesome. So, (laughs) 
So Hosanna was, I think, four months old. And uh, we live in a little two-bedroom place in Sydney. And it's just the, the, well, then the three of us. But we had just gotten, now I call these things cages. And Terence is mortified whenever I call them cages. They're called play pens, right? So we had just got, we had just gotten a cage slash play pen. And it was in the lounge room. And having a shower when you are a new mum is kind of a big deal, right? So you kind of strap them into different contraptions and drag them in so you can see them. And then you have a shower and it's very quick and then you're out and then you're like, okay, because you don't want to keep your eyes off them because they're so little and you're just like, oh. So <laughs> she was about four months old and I remember this was uh, the first time I was actually going to have a shower without having to see her. This was kind of a big deal in my world at the time, all right? So I put her in the cage slash playpen. Now she can't even crawl yet, so it's safe. She's not going anywhere, so I thought. So I put her in there. Now I'm talking like a 90-second shower, right? Like you run in and you run out. So I go to do that and I come back out and like I well, hadn't even dried myself. I'm just like freezing in the towel. And she's she's not there. <laughs> and it's like you can't process. You're like, I'm not, I, that, not nothing's lining up. And... <laughs> And I'm looking, and I even remember going and, like, pulling on the playpen to see if there was a gap. But she can't crawl. So I was, at the same time, I'm like, she, she's not, like, she's rolled a hundred times. Like, and I don't, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And I pulled on it, and she's not there. And then instant panic mode. And then I walk up the hallway, and I, I called her name because she can talk back, right? I've already gone into a rational mode. And I walk up the hallway, and <laughs> the front door is wide open. Yeah. So you know how there's fight or flight? <laughs> I went into fight. <laughs> I tell you what, the adrenaline, oh my goodness. I run out the front door, still in the towel, and run out the front door, and I am literally expecting to see a bad person walking away with my baby. Hello, I've watched too many episodes of CSI Miami, just for the record. I stopped watching it about a year ago. So <laughs> that's what I'm expecting to see. And I tell you what, the adrenaline going through my body, I was, I was ready to like rip this human being limb from limb. Seriously, I understand why people can, can like pick up cars because the adrenaline takes over. You have supernatural strength. And I'm like, that's what I'm thinking and my heart is beating and I'm like crying and I, I run inside. I can't see anyone. I run back inside and, and I couldn't find my mobile and we've got a, a home phone, which we never use. I don't even know why I could find that of all things. And I call Triple O and uh, I'm trying to like get dressed at the same time and talking to Triple O and but kind of screaming, crying. And, and I just remember saying, someone stole my baby. I was having a shower and someone stole my baby and <laughs> the door's open and, and she's asking me for a description. And I remember saying, She's half Jamaican, <laughs> which kind of means nothing because there's white Jamaicans too. Like, and technically Terence was born here, so really he's Aussie. But anyway, so, <laughs> and I, I, I'm half dressed and I'm like, I run back out to the street and my heart is beating. And this time, don't ask me why, but this time I'm expecting to see a white van, right? Too many movies, guys, too many movies. And we've got all these little side streets, and I'm still on the, the cordless phone, and I'm running down the street, like, with no shoes on, and I'm kind of screaming as I talk. And I'm looking in all the side streets, and and the police, off the, whoever was on the phone, the lady was trying to 
calming down and, and I can't even remember what she was saying, but we live in kind of a bit of an industrial area. So there's a mechanic across the road. There's like, you know, a dance school and a few other warehousey things. And up the end on the, the cross street, there's all these cafes. So I was obviously so loud <laughs> that they started coming out and looking at this crazy woman running up and down the street, literally running barefoot in the middle of the street, up and down the street. And I was hysterical. Like, I've never been hysterical before, and I never want to be hysterical again. But that was, hys- that was hysteria. And <laughs> I'm running back up the street, and I'm still talking to the police woman, but screaming, crying, talking. And I see around the corner at the end, Terrence walk around, who was meant to be at work all day, with a coffee and a banner. And... <laughs> And I'm not a yeller, like I actually have a rule in our house, no yelling. <laughs> and I just, I just started screaming at him, like it was a whole nother level of screaming. Like he's walking towards me, we're like meters and meters away, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I, total crazy lady. And, <laughs> and as he's walking closer, he's kind of like realizing there's this half-dressed crazy lady screaming like teenage He's kind of started to register what might have happened. And, and so as we get closer, he was like probably me to you away. And uh, so he's kind of looking at me, holding the coffee. Like he, he looks scared, to be honest. And then we, quick response time, by the way, in Sydney. We are then surrounded. One, two, three, four police cars pull up at the same time. And... <laughs> Our daughter, as you've seen, our daughter is a beautiful mix of the both of us now. But when she was born, she was white. Like, they get color kind of by, you know, six, seven months. Anyway, so the police thought that he had stolen my baby. (laughs) The poor guy. Oh, my goodness. And so I'm then trying to explain to the police no, this is my husband, but I'm still hysterical because it takes uh, it takes a little while for your body to register that everything is okay now, and and <laughs> I'm trying to explain to the police, and so then they think there's some kind of domestic, and it's like no, 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 we're married, no, it's fine, no, like anyway. So what had happened? Terence, uh, he was doing some TV work, and something had happened, and he was meant to be there all day, like a 14-hour day, and and they'd finished really early, like 11 a.m. So he wanted to surprise me, right? So he hadn't let me know, but he'd come home, and then he wa- when he walked in, he heard I was in the shower, and you know what, the best thing you can get any new mum is a coffee. The best thing you can get me any time in my life is a coffee. So he thought, I'll just quickly run up the road and get her a coffee and bring it back to surprise her when she gets out of the shower. And then he saw Hosanna and thought, I'll just take her with me. And then he got chatting at the cafe. And he also probably didn't understand the whole 90-second first shower awake anyway. It's kind of a big deal. So he was actually trying to do something really nice. <laughs> but it was a little bit of a drama, to say the least. He'll never do that again. So, <laughs> so the police eventually went after I convinced them that we weren't having a domestic. That was took a long time. But God reminded me of this scenario when I asked him, where were you this whole time? Where were you all of those years when all of that stuff was going on? And he reminded me of that story because he said to me, you know, I've given you free will. I can't force you 
to come back to me. But I tell you what, how you felt your mother's heart, the parent's heart for their child, when you couldn't find her and you were looking and you were crying and your heart was beating, he said, that, is, that was my heart for you. That's how I felt about you. And I was looking out the windows and I was hoping every single knock at the door was you and I was crying, not knowing where you were. But I've given you free will. But that was my heart for you. How you felt for her, amplify that by a million because that's how I felt about you. And you know what? If Hosanna had never actually come back that day, we, there's no way we would be going to Miami because I would not leave that house. I would never leave that house. Any knock at the door, any phone call, I'd be thinking, is that her? Is that her? Is that her? Like for the rest of my life. And that's how God is with us when we're away. He's thinking, is that them? Is that them? Is that them? He's looking out the windows like he's just waiting for us. And that's where he was that whole time. And that's where he is with all of us (laughs) when we're away from him. Whether we've walked away from him, whether we've never met him, we're still his children and he knows us. But we have free will. And sometimes, I I feel like sometimes he's like that with us, even when we're still here in church, but we've walked away in our heart. And he misses us and he's waiting and he's looking out the windows and he just wants to be reconnected with us. That that is his father's heart for us. So just as the musicians come, I just wanted to take an opportunity to give you an opportunity to, to reconnect with him if that's you here today. And you know what, you might be meeting him for the first time. Maybe you've never met your creator and this is a whole new concept to you. And I know what that's like. I've done that myself at 22 years old and I promise you it's the best decision you'll ever make. The best. Because there is so much more that he has. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you're young or if you're old. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Because he's got so much more for you so much more or maybe you're here today and you've just been away from God and I just want you to know that his father's heart for you he is crying for you and he just wants to reconnect with you or also you might be here and you're still here every week in church but you just feel like your heart is just disconnected from him like something's happened maybe an offense has happened and you've put up some walls and he just wants to reconnect with you today he just wants to reconnect and he's waiting he is that father's heart he is that parent waiting just hoping to see your face so I just wanted to give us all an opportunity to respond today if, if that's you to any of those things So I just ask just for the privacy of those around us, if we could all just close our eyes and just bow our head, just to respect the privacy of those around us. And if that's you, any of those scenarios that I've mentioned, if that's you, I just wanted to give you an opportunity. And I'm not going to get you to get out of your seat or anything like that. I don't want to embarrass you. I just want you to give me a a little wave and then I'm going to pray for you. And it's as simple as that. 
So if that's you, I'm just going to count to three and I just ask you to, to give me a wave and I'll see your hand and you can put it down. If you really just want to take that opportunity to reconnect with your Father in heaven, that Father who is crying for you and waiting for you and wanting to embrace you and give you everything that He has for you. So I'm just going to count to three and I ask if you just give me a little wave. One, two, three. Beautiful. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Thank you. Can I just ask if we can all just pray this prayer together? Jesus, I thank you for dying for me, for giving it all so that I can live in peace. God, I accept you into my heart. From this day forward, I follow you. God, I give you access. Why don't we stand to our feet? If the worship team, if you don't mind just singing that worship song, I would just want us to take a minute to open our heart to Him today. You know, He might have brought up some things for you or you might just feel Him speaking to you about who you are and whose you are. <laughs> and I tell you what, if you just open your heart to Him, lift your hands to heaven, allow Him to speak to you, allow Him to remind you who you are, your value, your identity in Christ. So I just love if we could just take a minute just to worship and allow Him to do that today. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.